0: Today's program is part of a special series brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and Every Neighborhood Partnership, with funding provided by ACEs Aware. Together, we are working to raise awareness about the effects of adverse childhood experiences in hopes of building a healthier community and a brighter future for our children. Dr. B explains the importance of acknowledging our stressors of the past in order to thrive in the present. Plus, she shares practical tips for coping through challenging times and building greater resiliency so you and your family can enjoy a healthier and more fulfilling life.
1: Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with
0: Dr. B.
2: Where we explore human resiliency
0: and learn how people thrive even after adversity.
2: We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's
1: fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today.
2: What makes you tick?
0: Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out.
2: Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. Okay, so hi everybody, it's Dr. B. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and what about bullying? Because bullying is something that we talk about all the time. And, you know, how does that integrate into our understanding of ACEs? So if you're interested in furthering this conversation, please email me at contact at drbconnections.com. Or if you want to learn more about me, go to my website at www.drbconnections.com. Let's get started. All right, so here we are again with delusional optimism. Talking about bullying sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Um, But... I'm here again with my new co-host and facilitator of the podcast, Seth Creekmore. He's got his own podcast called Fathoms. So welcome, Seth. So glad to be here together. And let's jump in about bullying. It's so important.
1: Dr. B, what is bullying?
2: Bullying. Okay, so bullying is, well, let's start with it's the second leading cause of death between 10 and 34-year-olds in Mm. the U S but really the definition of bullying comes down to, in it's most simplest, simplest form is it's an imbalance between power, power between people. Mm. And then that gets exploited. And so people get hurt very Mm. quickly.
1: Can you kind of name like a few ways that bullying happens that maybe in my head, I I immediately think of like, the big kid on the playground bully with the hat backwards chewing bubble you know yeah, um, yeah.
2: So I totally there's... had the same exact image I'm like okay the mean kid on the playground yeah. who's always so cool and scary he
1: somehow has an Italian accent
2: yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yes yeah so. So bullying is much broader than that. And so we have this idea that bullying happens at school, on the playground, kids get beat up on their way home if they don't give them their lunch money or whatever. (laughs) But bullying can happen, especially now, it can happen online, it can happen face to face at school, it can happen in neighborhoods, it can even happen in the workplace, and it can happen at home. You know, bullying can happen across siblings, siblings, friends, and younger siblings or, you know, other siblings. So bullying is not just a one thing. And oftentimes what people say about kids and bullying are like, on the one hand, we give it a lot of credibility as, oh, this is so terrible and we need to address it and have programs. Okay, I'm on board with that. Yes, absolutely we do. But then on the other hand, we often hear like, oh, kids will be kids. They can figure it out. How will they ever learn how to Mm. figure out their problems if we solve it all for them? Okay, we need to move away from that thinking because kids and adults don't figure it out until it's too late. And then we look back and we say, oh, that's why this child decided that they couldn't live anymore. So we don't. And it's becoming more and more and more of an issue. One in mm-hmm. five students report bullying. That's 20%. Wow. That's, a, that's just an astronomical number. My goodness. Of children to admit and say, I've been bullied. hmm And yeah. when, when kids are bullied, what happens is, this is where the adverse childhood experiences come in. When children are bullied, or even adults are bullied, it leads to anxiety, depression, sleep problems, lower achievement in school, and even a dropout rate that's been reported by the CDC, which is Center for Disease Control, in 2018. So we know that there are very concrete consequences to not dealing with bullying head-on and stopping it. We want kids to graduate from high school, but, hey, if they're bullied out of high school, then we're not creating a solution. Another interesting thing is that students who are bullied or cyber-bullied are two times more likely to complete suicide. Wow. So that's, uh, you know, we know suicide is on the rise. Yeah. Especially you know, with COVID. So
1: has bullying increased or is just our awareness of bullying and how it's treated increased?
2: That's a great question. I think there's probably a little bit of both. Okay. A little bit of both. Our awareness is certainly higher about it. We, we study it now. We understand it better. We understand just so much more about how humans are. And how that impacts how we impact each other. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it's increased because we have the accessibility of the internet, social media, mm-hmm. which very much lends itself to cyberbullying in terms of it's not a one on one game anymore, this bullying thing. This yeah. is, you can massively send out a message to a group of people and bully somebody that can be so harmful. And hurtful. And we have examples of that where people have actually been accused of, you know, murder because they've Mm. done, you know, expose somebody's sexual orientation online when they weren't ready for it. And then that Mm. person completes suicide. Or, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of examples of this. So the Internet has created so many advantages to our lives. But it also has created a lot of opportunities for negative things to happen that we aren't prepared for. Like we have to get ready.
1: Yeah, so like the ease of access, feels weird to say, of bullying has increased. Yes. And, it's, and, and it's not so much, you. you don't have to be a tough person to bully now.
2: No, and you can be anonymous. You can yeah. also hide behind... The facade of whoever. And so, one of the things that we've learned when I was teaching college and teaching an online class, it's so interesting, discussion boards, Mm. that people, when they have some anonymity and the ability to speak what they're thinking without being in the presence of a group, will Mm. actually be much more aggressive in their language. And and be less kind. And it really was an eye-opener for me about how we have to bring people in in an online learning environment and think about right now, we're in COVID, everybody's doing online learning. And my son actually is doing his student teaching in a fifth grade class. And a fifth grader wrote to him, you know, like from a different school and said something, you know, I don't know, it was like cussed at him or something. You know, very fifth grade little kid thing to do. Like one kid passed the info to another kid. And, you know, they're just Mm -hmm. being... That's kind of kids being kids in some ways. But that also gives us the awareness that, oh yeah, something's going on with that little Mm. who for him, and he happened to be a him, to feel bold enough to send that kind of a message to a teacher. So then we want to say rather than, oh, we're going to call you in and give you detention, you're a naughty person. We want to say, okay, what's going on with that child? Mm -hmm. That's where we really need to go is we need to look through the lens differently because people don't bully who aren't bullied, right? Like, mm,
1: yeah. you don't yeah.
2: bully people when unless you've been bullied. We learn how to bully. And if we have a lot of fear from being bullied, then we extract that information and we project it out onto others that we bully, whether yeah. it's in our home or at school or on the play yard, wherever it is. Yeah. So first thing to know. Bullies don't bully unless they're bullied. Another lens to look through around this whole education COVID piece is that, you know, kids have come home and they're learning through online learning. And a lot of people are saying, oh, this is a terrible thing because, you know, kids now don't have the support systems that they have at school. And that is absolutely right in some cases. However, Mm -hmm. let's flip it and say, what if you're a kid who has to go to school and you're bullied constantly? Mm-hmm. Now, you might be thriving at home in an online learning environment because you can actually have a refuge from your bully. Bully your bullies.
1: Yeah, wow.
2: So, and bullies don't typically bully one person. It's similar to any kind of perpetrator of violence or anything. Mm-hmm that they bully lots of uh, lots of different people and they bring others on board to bully with them. So how relieving would that be to be able to be out of that space and environment?
1: Yeah. Is there any level of, um, we think of the recent George Floyd murder and just the bullying, to put it lightly on some level, <laughs> uh, right. of that. And is there predictive aces or... Certain childhood experiences that would lead someone to be predisposed to bullying.
2: So let's just call it what it is exactly because, you know, we want to be honest about disparity mm. and discrimination in our systems because that's really where we're going to build our resilience and tackle our ACEs. But we literally watched George Floyd be bullied to death on mm. national television. So we saw that before our very eyes. We watched the imbalance of power, remember, which is the, the definition of bullying. Mm-hmm. And we watched a system that is flawed literally create this situation that led to the death of another person because that imbalance of power got carried out of control. So we really need to recognize that we have to change at a systemic level. Bullying typically is two things. It's individual, but it's also systemic. And so if our policing allows for bullying to happen in that kind of a way, we had four police officers and one black man on the ground, Mm. handcuffed, handcuffed. I mean, he wasn't even fighting. And it just continued, and it's a painful story to talk about, and it's controversial. However, what we need to recognize is that this is neurobiological. So baby brains, infants are wired to adapt to their environment. And so when we expose infants to differences and diversity early on, guess what? Their brain is much has a much easier ability to adjust to differences and recognize them as threats or non-threats. Mm-hmm. So the brain naturally goes to if it's different than me, because I'm the I'm the model of normal and empathy <laughs> in my brain, right? Yeah. For me. Yeah. I'm the model for me. You're the model for you. Everyone's the model for themselves then our caregivers bring us into what else is different or what is safe by exposing us to people who are different, who are also safe. So our brain wires with this ability to shift and adjust to differences and recognize what's a real threat and what's not a threat. Mm. We can be wired to fear skin color as a threat. Or sexual orientation as a threat because it's different. It's unfamiliar. We've never had experience with it. I don't know what to do with that. Right, it might right. infect me or it might hurt me or mm-hmm. whatever. So as those people grow up, then they have a harder time when they're in faced with difference, shifting quickly and letting their micro emotions and their, you know, literally their it's called the polyvagal system or mm-hmm. you know our limbic system kick in and say oh yeah 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 no that's fine like no i'm really i'm not a, i've been around lots of people who look different than me and they're right. not a threat but if they have a gun in and they're pointing it in my face like that's the threatening yeah. part <laughs> that's the part i want to be worried about yeah. not their skin color right so we we neurobiologically grow people who can manage differences and then we have, that's where we need to be thinking in terms of systemically changing this bullying problem we have. We're never gonna get ahead of it until we really look at the root cause.
1: Our brain's default is different is dangerous.
2: Different is dangerous, different and, is a threat.
1: Yeah, and so
2: yeah.
1: To, expo- to constantly expose to people, especially in the young stages, is gonna help curb that bullying in future generations.
2: Absolutely. You know, our brain is so wired for building its adaptive capacity in early childhood. And we've really taken that for granted on so many levels. However, let's say that I was raised in a very Judeo Christian, Caucasian, middle class suburb in California. Mm. Okay, I wasn't, but let's just say that I was. Then. My perspective of anything different than that is going to send some radars off like, whoa, what's I don't get that. And so we want to even as an adult, if I recognize that in myself, then I can take the initiative as an adult and say, oh, wow, I really Mm -hmm. need to expose myself to people of different cultures, communities, skin colors, ethnicities religions, maybe the LGBT community, in order to rewire my brain a mm-hmm. little bit to become more comfortable and have more awareness of how we're so much the same yeah, and not really that different. I mm-hmm. mean, we're just not that different from each other.
1: Like maybe the, the, the internal side of us is very same. Our expressions of, of where we're coming from will be vastly different.
2: Right. But our yeah. internal
1: motivations, our internal why of what we're doing is very, very not
2: well, different. Well, our DNA is yeah. almost identical. Mm. However, how that is expressed mm-hmm. is so diver- different. Yeah. Yeah. How that's expressed. But really, skin color is just an expression of, you know, the pigmentation in our DNA, like mm, that, mm-hmm. I want to I want to say it, but I, I I can't think of the word because all I can think of is melatonin. Melanin, <laughs> and it's not, melanin. Thank yes. you. I'm like, <laughs> it's not melatonin, but it's very very close. So <laughs> yes, yes,
1: <laughs> yes. So for people that are wanting to expose themselves to different, more different people and experiences, obviously right now we have COVID and that wouldn't be advisable. Is there exposing exposing ourselves digitally to people through, through movies, through art, through other forms? Is that going to work the same or like work good enough until we can be in front of actual physical people?
2: Yes. As long as the movies and the films and the expression are not stereotyped. Right. Right. <laughs> because yeah. so much of our, our, film industry and television industry are so biased Mm. so i don't think that there's any equal or as good as way to become familiar with or comfortable or adaptive Mm. to difference except by being around people who are really who are different than you and they're also so similar to you Yeah. So relationships, relationships, relationships. But we can do that online, Mm -hmm. right? We can still we can still connect with. We could get on a Zoom meeting with, um, whatever organizations or if like think of kids in high school or college and become part of GSA is like Mm. a high school you know Gay Straight Alliance. So gay kids and straight kids hang out together in a in a school club or. There's lots of organizations like that in high schools and colleges for different kids of different races, but they don't exclude people like you could be part of the African American club, even if you're not African American. And so that exposure is a way to make friends who are different. And then you make friends who are different and they invite you to their house and you go, wow, this is different than my house, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's pretty much exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Because another thing we know is that socioeconomics makes an actual bigger difference in how we operate than actual racial differences. Mm -hmm. But what I want to say about bullying that's so critical And especially for people who are part of the dominant culture. So, when I say that, I mean sort of that white middle class dominant culture. That when you find yourself feeling like you have more power, more voice in a situation, then especially if it's over an individual person and somebody fears you. Okay. So, when you find yourself in a situation where you recognize that you have more power, mm. you sense that the person that you have more power than fears you on any level, Yeah, that's when you need to say stop. This is a message to ourselves. As people of dominant culture who need to say, okay, stop, something's wrong. I need I need to recognize this because I don't want this person to fear me or to do something because I have more power than them. Yeah. That's where we that's where we find the road to equity and battling disparity. Hmm. So I say, like, you know, stop drop and roll. No. <laughs> stop look and listen. Yeah. Look and listen. Like Closed close the mouth and say, I'm feeling like I need to give you a little more information, or what is it that you need from me mm. to make you feel comfortable or you know, safe in this situation? So there's a lot depending on the situation, there's mm. lots of ways of tackling it. But yeah, but that's mean, one thing we can do. And it's not just white dominant culture. That's the other part I want to say is because that can happen anywhere. Really, Mm -hmm. maybe you're a white woman who walks into a group that's different than you, males, different ethnicities that, you know, you didn't have exposure to, Mm -hmm. and you feel a little intimidated, Uh, you know, that's the same kind of situation. So now it's their job to say to a me, like, Mm -hmm. hey, I bet this could be a little bit intimidating to walk into a, a group of men without any support. Yeah. Like it could be men, women, it can be racial differences, LGBT walking into a group of cow, cowboys, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. So, so really it's just, it's about naming the reality, the, the how, how the other person could be potentially feeling. Is that at all? Uh, I mean, you'd have to be sensitive on some level cause that could be calling out something that they don't want to be called out. Is that, is that a danger?
2: Sure. I think that ideally, we want this to come from an internal space from Mm -hmm. everyone. Like everybody's always watching for where their power is asserted over other people, because sometimes we're powerful and sometimes we're not. So really, we need to start teaching people to be aware of that adjustment. I like to, you know, I always like to use the highway. and the cars as an example. So we've never done this before. We've never taught people how to do this successfully and effectively Mm -hmm. in our history as a country. Just like when we went from horse and carriage to automobiles, we had never done that before successfully. And now we have a roadway system across our country that automobiles of all different kinds travel on to get mm. all different places. This is what we need to do. We're at a, we're at a transitional point in our history where now we need to build the roadways for each other. for mm. To allow for different models of cars to exist <laughs> together yes. on the roadways in ways where we don't crash in and pile up on each other and hurt each other intentionally or unintentionally. It's yeah. so a weird analogy, but it does kind of make sense.
1: It does, it does. If if power is the equivalent of I mean on its basic basic level to be able to affect change on the reality in front of you. Maybe it's not so much giving up your power as rather redirecting your power to make sure everyone's power can show up in the best way. So totally. as a white straight male, I tend to have more sway. Unfortunately yeah. and fortunately, right?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and so just making sure to, just because someone isn't talking doesn't mean that they don't want to talk or they don't have anything to share. It's the redirect and like, I want to hear from you. Show me, like, what do you have to say? Yeah. I want to hear what you're saying. And, yeah. and redirecting the power so it's balanced throughout the room on some level. Absolutely. Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. And... As the mother of two, you know, white male straight men, mm-hmm. I have, I recognize that they have power. I also recognize where they're in situations where they don't have as much power. Mm-hmm. However, in theory, that is the group. You are part of the group that has the most power in general. When we're in just general, speaking right. in generalizations individually, it's all over the map. We all have right. no idea where your power <laughs> comes in and out, you know. Right. But systemically, you as a group, my sons, you have more power and you're heard and listened to much more than yeah. any other group mm-hmm. at any time. And so, even not having to say, "Oh, wait, let me let you have a turn to to talk," naming it almost as far as this like hey, I recognize that I'm part of dominant culture. I'd really like to hear what it feels like to be mm. not part of dominant culture. Mm. So you're like just owning it and rather than using your power to say, it's mm-hmm. okay to talk, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like Because no, I've, I've learned this word called um, co-conspirator. And rather than giving permission to a marginalized group to be empowered or do what they need to do, it's better to just stand alongside them. They're just like they know what to do, Mm -hmm. probably way better than we do or I do. And so instead, I just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to let you just borrow my my whiteness because George Floyd, they're probably a lot less likely to shoot you Mm -hmm. if I'm standing there as a Mm -hmm. white woman watching or not shoot you, but you know not allow you to breathe or, and there's lots of situations where we can actually use attributes that we have that are systemically more powerful to be a co-conspirator. We don't need to take it over. What we need to do is to share it and say, yeah, "Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm going to be part of this and this, you know, and slowly, but surely, like, I don't love that situation but that's why it's so important for all different races to show up to protests about racism mm. including dominant culture. Yeah. Because yeah. it need we need to all be there to show up as co-conspirators not taking over a movement but being a voice and a participant.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's a it's a really helpful distinction. It's really helpful.
2: And men can do that for women as well. I mean, the it happens all in all their adults for children. Yeah. You know? Adults can say, you know what? Seems like adults are always in charge of everything and get to decide all mm-hmm. the things. Maybe maybe you guys have some great ideas about this. Mm-hmm. Cause you live on the play yard every day. What yeah. do you guys think? If we want to, like, really think about some solutions to bullying, we first have to acknowledge the honest truth that it's a hard, hard problem, and it requires thoughtful, (laughs) in-depth solutions that go way beyond the obvious. Because, you know, if this were an easy fix, we would have fixed it.
1: (laughs) Mm, Right.
2: You know? Like... Hello, this is what drives me a little bit crazy sometimes is that, you know, we're like, oh, let's all of a sudden fix bullying. This will be easy. No, (laughs) if it were easy, we would have done it. It's hard. And when we fix one part, we're going to mess up another part. So Mm -hmm. it requires thoughtfulness and the ability to give grace where we mess it up Mm. and we come back to it because it's a hard fix. Just like building roadways.
1: Let's say you, you have a child that tells you that, hey, so-and-so is bullying me. Mm-hmm. I know when like, one of my nephews told me that um, I'm immediately divided between, well, go kick his ass and, yeah. uh, <laughs> 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 oh no, or to let me kick his ass and, um, and just be like, well, just be nice. And, and neither one of those are necessarily going to solve the problem. So where, how, do we, how do we marry those two tensions?
2: Yeah. That's a great, great question. And and the heart of our problem with bullying is that we really don't know what to do. Mm. We don't know how to move forward. So we go to our default of, yeah, I'm going to kick their ass or I'm going <laughs> to teach you to kick their ass. Right. And both really don't get to the root of the problem that let's start with that kid's bullied. Mm-hmm. Where's that happening? we need to help that fourth grader too at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so we know one in five children are bullied. We know that adverse childhood experiences are highly prevalent. So we know that people are bullied and then they carry that out other places. So what we do is first, we absolutely acknowledge the victim's fear and worry and we take it seriously and we put ourselves in the situation with them. Because most people, children and adults, cannot deal with a bullying situation on their own. Mm. And if we ask them to, they just go underground, and that's how they end up in the category of suicide or Mm. depression or anxiety. So we have to take their hand and walk with them. And if that means... You know, some people say, I'm going to come and sit right next to you during school so you don't act out, <laughs> you know? Yikes. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but how about that? You know what? You're being bullied. I'm just going to show up and I'm going to go sit next to the bully. Mm. And then it doesn't draw the, to, you know, now that might be a little dramatic and the school yeah. might have some issues with that, but we really need to engage different solutions. Just getting the kid in trouble is not the answer. Mm -hmm. When my children's dad started teaching, I don't, I can't remember, seventh grade math, I think. And my kids were little. Leel, wasn't even born yet. Two weeks before school was out, a seventh grader came to him and said, I'm going to shoot you on the last day of school.
1: Oh my word.
2: Yeah. No, no joke. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you are so not going to work on the last week of school. Like, forget that. So, you know, we had these conversations about, you know, what do, what do we do with that? Well, this kid was on the list for so self-esteem camp, and he was in trouble. Well, he lit the bathroom on fire at school before he ever got to, mm, okay. you know, we ever even got to the end of school. But... The truth is, all of those signs today, you know, 30 years later for me, I think, oh, wow. Like, I was so mad at that kid, like, messing with my life and, you know, my Mm -hmm. children and, like, just everything. But now today I realize, wow, he threatened to shoot a teacher and he lit the bathroom on fire all in a week. okay, red flags, something is going on, (laughs) he's being bullied, there's trauma, what do we do? We need to send the ambulance to his house. So this is how we need to shift our focus from it's an easy surface solution, kids just will be kids, to, oh yeah, nobody does that stuff without some root things going on. And then if those things are so severe that their brain is wired for severe problematic abusive behavior towards others mm-hmm. then we need to tackle that issue because that yeah. can happen i mean i just watched the richard ramirez uh, night stalker documentary in la in the 80s and i kept saying okay they're gonna they're gonna reveal it he's that boy's got trauma like he's got bad trauma and guess what of course he did Of course he did. And we, you know, so we have to start looking at these things much more deeply. Ted Bundy. I mean, people do not just end up in the serial murderer category or the felony assault category. Look Mm -hmm. at our prisons. All we need to do is look at our prisons and say, wait, how come they're filled with people who have abuse histories? Yeah. And now now we back out of that with smart solutions not mm-hmm. punitive solutions.
1: I think it's so important to not I mean yes, have smart smart ways to deal with people to have um, restorative justice to be able to uh, help with the deep mental trauma and hell that these people are living in and you can have compassion for why they're doing what they're doing while still not letting them keep doing the things that they're doing. So how I guess how do we how do we hold compassion for even people like like Hitler or like Ted Bundy, right? Yeah. How do right. we hold that compassion and also be like, no, that is not okay. That is bad. And that is that is evil, categorically evil.
2: Well, and that's really, you know, I was not the most popular person in the room when I said he's got trauma. Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? I feel a little bit sad for him, like cause I can see him as yeah. a little boy. And what then what that led to for him as a man. And does that mean I want him to go scot-free? Heavens no. He's got complete, you know, disaster area now. We've he's been ruined by his his family situation, our systemic environment, right. and his neurobiology. He is incapable of living in society freely, period. Mm -hmm. So we can still hold people fully accountable while we also have compassion and recognize their, I like to call it their babyhood. We Mm. can look at a person who's done a terrible, terrible thing or lots of things, and I call it baby mapping, where we track somebody's life back to their babyhood and their Mm. early childhood, and then we say you know he was he he was put to death but if we looked at him as a baby what could the trajectory of his life been mm. we don't know right. but we could certainly at least in honor of the victims and in honor of society look back and say all of these people have this terrible history Let's go back and find the root cause and baby map. Okay, did we have failures in our system, and where are they, and how do we fix them so these things don't happen? Because mm-hmm. he killed a lot of people, and probably all of them aren't even identified. right? And so it's it's not only good for the perpetrator in some ways, but it's so good for the for our society because mm-hmm. we're it's like we're saying, it's better to have highways than just roads because mm. <laughs> you get places faster. Oh, it's better to stop these things in early childhood and infancy than to wait until adulthood and somebody's murdered a lot of people in a serial, you know, rage.
1: Right.
2: It's a little and I don't I'm not trying to make it sound like there's this is some super simple, easy answer. I'm not. This is as complex as building the roadway system Mm -hmm. but we had to start somewhere and now it feels like okay let's do it let's start and we have we really do have people elevating to the point of recognizing adverse childhood experiences the consequences of trauma and how that feeds into this bullying cycle I know none of this, uh, you know, sounds super optimistic. However, there are things about this that are optimistic. And what we do know is that programs, there are proven programs that support reducing bullying in schools. They're not the just say no program. They're not the red ribbon program where, you know, you just, we, we deal with things on a surface level. They are things like peer-to-peer programs. Hmm. When you bring in other kids, and re- that's how we reduce bullying. We bring kids into the solution with other kids, and those are highly effective. So if a school already has that going on, awesome, great, high five. Let's keep doing that and add more. We also can help kids who bully to find purpose and, and hope in their own situation because mm-hmm. that builds resilience, and less of a need to overpower because instead they're becoming empowered. Right on their own lives. We have to get to the root of the problem, even though you know that's that's hard. We have to dig deep, and we tr- teach children. I think this one is probably the most important, and it's also probably the easiest. We teach our littles to confront unkindness with words. Mm-hmm. Hey, I wonder why you're making fun of my jeans my that have holes in them or whatever. I wonder why you would say something that unkind to me about my failing a test. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I wonder why you would call me stupid or ugly or whatever. The like giving kids the words to say when they're confronted with somebody who says something that can completely knock us down, we go, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, no, this isn't about me. This is about you. You're mm. the bully. I'm the victim. Okay. And I don't need to be the victim. Yeah. So wow. that's the other part is that we find ways to give littles and young people their own power to respond with words Hmm. and walk away i'm also a big fan of no audience no show if somebody comes at you and you're like oh yeah i really don't have time to do that with you i'm out (laughs) what do you do like oh wait i was gonna make fun of you but you left
1: yeah yeah (laughs) no
2: completely it's kind of you know that's those are those are a couple of the the little things that'll get us along the road
1: how would you instruct people that either are parents that know that their kid is a bit of a bully or that their kid is being bullied? What are the what are the first steps that need to happen in those situations?
2: Either situation, if you're suspecting your child is a bully and you're thinking where the heck is that coming from, you need to get it get in touch with the school or the organization or wherever that information is coming from and track it down with your child. Mm. So especially if it's not coming from you, you know, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like, hey, my kid is really, you know, I can tell, you know, when your child, there's a, you know, that phrase mean girls, we know when our kids kind of being a mean, a mean kid. Mm -hmm. So if that is not, If you know that root is not happening in your house, then you need to track that down with your child and the school and the party that they're bullying. If you suspect your child is being bullied, then I would not take no for an answer from the school in not getting to the root cause of it. Mm -hmm. And the school can be a little, you know, some schools are amazingly inclusive around stuff like that and others are a little bit dismissive. Being the voice, you know, our most important job is parenting our children and being there to support them through difficult times. And if that means they're at school, I I jokingly say I would go sit next to the bully. Mm, And I really would say, you know what, if you're not going to handle it, then I'm going to handle it. And I would like to have a conference with this child's parents at school because we know that this is coming and as a parent you should want to know that. Mm-hmm. And then we can see we're expanding the picture and now we need to figure out where the resources come in. But I would never let it just slide mm-hmm. because we've done that and it isn't working. 20% right. of our children complete suicide. Yeah. Attempt uh-huh. or complete suicide. 1 in 5. Wow. That's way too many. And we have vi- we have very concrete examples of this person did this to this person, and they mm-hmm. could just—they took their life because of yeah. it.
1: Um, well, go give someone a hug today.
2: <laughs> yes. After Get listening to this
1: episode, hug. go give someone a hug. We all need a little love right now. So.
2: Yes, for sure. <laughs>
1: awesome. Yeah,
2: but we've built roadways before, and we can do this one.
1: We can do it again.
2: We can do it There's again. There's the
1: optimism. Awesome.
2: There's the optimism. Yes, <laughs> we can build roadways. We can also you know now we know that our brain wires where our brain fires and so we can go out and be exposed to differences so there are lots of places to look for light in this really difficult conversation Mm -hmm. but we just have to be willing to take the first steps and to put ourselves out there and so with that Go out, yeah, Seth, give give someone a hug that you're that's in your covid circle. Yes, yes, please. <laughs> With a mask on. Yeah. And leave a life print. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now go leave a life print.
0: Thank you for listening to this special episode of Delusional Optimism, brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and every neighborhood partnership. We hope you're encouraged by Dr. B's message and find her tips helpful for managing life stressors and building a more resilient self. For more episodes in this special series, please visit St. Agnes Medical Center's website at www.samc.com. This episode is produced and published by the editing team at Truthwork Media. Truthwork Media is a full-fledged podcasting and social media agency located in South Bend, Indiana with clients all around the world. For more information, visit them at TruthworkMedia.com. These materials, and all discussions of these materials, are for educational purposes only and do not constitute medical or mental health advice. The presenter is not a licensed mental health or medical service provider. If you need medical or mental health care or advice, you should contact your doctor or therapist, or you can contact your insurance company for a referral. This show and all of its contents are copyright 2020 Dr. B. Leave a Life print. Reproduction or use requires written consent of Dr. Kristen Beasley.